most of us this is our last night together or untogether depending which way you look at it sense of that brings up in my mind the, the inclination to feel well, there's some sort of something conclusive some final crescendo or full stop or and now this is the end kind of the complete delivery but as um you know, I look into what's what's happening for me. So, and what, what's what seems to be coming up or possible. recognition that uh, that would actually be quite a false thing to do because there isn't a, a full stop or a final statement um, it's reiteration and perhaps things that have been said or felt uh, just putting them in perspective or giving them another turnaround I think we're all aware uh, of say on leaving a retreat moving out into a multi interactive interdimensional experience um, and just knowing from history how that affects us seems appropriate to talk a little bit about relationship or the relational field mm. And in this context, mm. may seem in some ways slightly strange because we assume, of course, that meditation is not a terrifically relational experience with silent, putting quite a deal of emphasis on seemingly, seemingly going within, what seem we call it within, but. You know, it's not actually located in, inside, as far as we can note, anatomically, in, in some bits in our innards. Um, we call it going within. Uh, so the idea of, of re- relationship seems to be slightly, you know, different to that to that meditative meditative experience. But actually, what you go into. Uh, when we go go in or we contemplate, we meditate um, is itself a relational experience um, primarily it seems to be a relationship with uh, the way, way we feel our bodies, the way we hold our bodies, the way the, our bodies hold us um, the way that our memories hold us the way that our mental formations, our um, mental patterns hold us or we hold them the way that pleasure and pain touch us 
or fail to touch us or we search for them or defend ourselves from them um, our sense of space something perhaps subtler a sense of uh, space that may occur when we feel we have not much space or we feel a bit spaced spaced out it's an indeterminate wobbly kind of space a sense of space or the we feel maybe uh, space is, the space is something that we have to make a statement in or colonize in some way this is my space be loud in or sign or put a characteristic onto it otherwise it will go away it won't be there we won't have it sometimes one's always trying to live you know live one's life rather than be alive it's that kind of thing you know as if we didn't make some big thing happen some have some experience make some sound you know have some tangible thing that is a sense of loss or not connectedness unless I am able to imprint um, we may experience that in meditation it comes up as kind of boredom restlessness uh, fidgetiness um, not able to centre here looking for experiences mm. where you know, or, our, or our feelings about other people as part, of, as part of that how we want to kind of impress ourselves or contact people falling in love on retreats um, just some sort of sign of you know Real of colonizing some of this territory, as it were, with a, with an impact. Mm. And of course, you know, the teacher, this the uh, this teaching presence becomes part of that. How that's experienced, the three of us, mm. part of the space factor. So there can be a certain sense of feeling maybe, you know, that like you have to in some way, some, there can be a kind of strange feeling in the way you have to kind of defend yourself against me. Um, or make your own stand, you know, not get taken over. Um, or say, win some, have some approval or something like that. These may be a bit difficult to talk about naturally. Um, and uh, I hope I'm not sounding too talking at you or condescending about it as if you know you're all down there and I'm up here beyond it all. Um, it certainly goes on the other way too. <laughs> I think quite uh, can quite a few dumber talks just basically as defence. You know, keep keep the noise going <laughs> so nobody notice, so nobody notices me. <laughs> Quit throwing stuff out, you know, feed the birds so they don't peck my eyes out. <laughs> you don't, doesn't, you don't, there isn't a thought, you don't, but you wonder, wh- why am I, you know, overcharging? Wh- you know, wh- why do I feel so sort of 
you're not thinking those things and yet energetically there's some kind of experience of you know, I've got to come up with something you know, maybe it isn't good enough and all that kind of thing or even you know I'll tell them where it's at <laughs> there's a subtle effect but just you know relating to to, to the space however it's, how it's presented or whoever seems to be in it because um, yeah, who is in it? Hmm? who is this voice? who are these these visual forms and so on mm-hmm. what we know is relational we make an object out of that what we actually first detect is relational and then we make an object out of that of course as the relational field oscillates and swings and sways you know between say feelings of warmth and ease feelings of of wanting to be apart from feelings of being pressed in by you know positive negative effects feeling one would like to you know reach out and touch or help and serve or feeling one would like to isn't quite worthy of it and all that kind of stuff then of course the objects continually flicker and so you know particularly when it comes to particularly with people but even with situations um, the situations have different colour changes happening a lot of the time without anybody doing anything or saying anything um, you know, so, what is Gaia House, for example? Uh, how we perceive it? Ship of Fools, you know, <laughs> blessed, blessed refuge, or an asylum of some kind, you know, <laughs> or prison even. You know. And uh, this isn't just Gaia House. This is every monastery I've lived in has had those kind of colours, tones one can print on it. You know, it's the, it's the concentration camp. <laughs> Ghastly kind of pun on that. Um, the factory, the school, the office, the army. And all those things that uh, relational fields are about. But we don't, because we don't necessarily acknowledge it, we, uh, the, the colours and the changes. And really notice how it's affecting us where you can come up with strange you know feelings of need, compulsion um, restlessness, unrestedness or distancing, withdrawal just shut the place off shut the people off, shut things off you know, just because it's all too confusing or too much when we come into something that is so relational is is actually part of the way it is 
big part of the way it is in terms of experience and to know that we're able to we're more, there's more possibly an understanding the conditionality the causality the, uh, of the relational field that is it's, it's called dependently arisen it's not actually substantially anything other than a relational field it isn't actually you know positive or negative or you know any particular color it just is a relational sensitivity so consciousness or the consciousness which has no manifestation is the basis of the relational field the basic energetic is the consciousness or vijnana nandasana which means the consciousness which has no traces no tracks this is the consciousness of an arahant there's no color there's no no flight it's just it just is it's still relational it's still um, there's an energetic there of presence of sensitivity but it's called things actually as they are rather than with the various colorations that come from um, our sense of need or nervousness or restlessness or withdrawal irritation and so on and the kind of subtle tinges of those or not so subtle flushing around in strange combinations so at the same time one can feel a tremendous sense of you know wanting to to be with people and also simultaneously feeling irritated and frightened at the same time all three colors can be playing around you know Now, certainly I've noticed in myself a particular pattern of which I've worked with of a kind of withdrawal um, and independence Uh, and just the more I've kind of contemplated that or it's been brought to mind because of uh, negative effects that it creates in, in others, you don't know where I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like at nobody's home, so you don't, it builds up a certain amount of frustration to be in a, a community <laughs> of people. And uh, it's really like the sense of. One of the most difficult things to 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 enter is the, is the interactive. So though even though the field is still relational, there's still a sense of there's things there. But I don't want to actually interact with this. I don't want to connect to this. I don't want to enter into this in a in an interactive way. Um, so, but the, the then the, then the relationship is one of withdrawal doesn't mean there's no relationship it means the relationship is the one of you know I'm not here I'm not here I'm somewhere else you know don't touch that kind of thing but that's still a relationship um, and that's one if you like one one end of it 
Of course, the other one is when people are sort of overflowingly here, you know, kind of always impinging, always seeming to impinge or impact or want attention or, you know, want to talk, want to, atten- want to be attended to, want to connect, want to relate, you know. Thinking, you know, duh. Um, what's what's this? You know, is this so? When you get to the two, often find themselves in 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 um, uh, those two tendencies sometimes come up as mirror images. The more frantically someone tries to relate, the more desperately one the other person tries to withdraw because <laughs> they don't last. They want don't want contact. The other person actually wants contact, feels somebody moving away, so it's a bit louder and further and moves in a bit closer to try and get that bit of contact, which the other person feels coming, so they're going to pull away further and further. Um, this produces some interesting... Um, sudden, you know, sooner or later somebody cracks or snaps or gets annoyed or gets angry or blows it, and then, you know, things start slushing around community life. <laughs> mm. So, whether we want to, whether we want to interact, are capable of interacting, uh, think it's important or not, whether we're on our own, there's still a relational field going on. Mm. One's energy still extends. It still has to bounce off of something. It still needs something to 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 get a sense of where I am, what's happening. You know, it still needs something to echo off of. It's like you know, you, you the bell is silent unless you strike it. You only know then that it's a bell because it rings. It needs to be struck. I think one of the bases of, of pujas, in a way, is, is um, not particularly to elicit or demand especially high-minded sentiments, but almost to begin a day checking in to a relational field with something that doesn't demand interaction. <laughs> it's sort of safe. Buddha images are safe. They don't, you know, you can do whatever you like all over them and they still be there for you. Um, so it's an encouragement to acknowledge and enter a relational field which is not interactive. It's like, you know, what's happening for me today when it's like this? What's that? So you've got one, if, if we don't have something that's stable and present that we can then often we find that we, don't, we can't get a clear reading. Because when you do this with other people, then of course, they're not necessarily just being clear, stable, neutral um, presences. They've generally got something happening. So you don't get clear, p- purely um, echo messages. You get echo plus, all sorts of you know, other stuff put onto it. So just learning to, to acknowledge and extend oneself into that, into that field without taking on interactivity is a useful setting, if you like, for a, 
for a day, like the beginning and ending of a day. And uh, I found that, that that kind of thing is actually is a form of almost a strange form of counseling for me. You know, I sit with a, the Buddha image and I make an offering and I'm actually conscious of that. And it's rather like having someone to talk to or somewhat something that hears yourself. Actually, of course, the thing doesn't, but it establishes a, a field whereby one is, is opening. So the relation, when you acknowledge a relational field, then what occurs is that you, you open something and it opens instead of, of moving off or act, being active, doing something. You just open. And the opening, you, you, you hear yourself. Of course, it doesn't have to be Buddha images. It can be other things. I think this is why sometimes people go to just go out into nature, trees, go and talk to the trees. Um, a lot of people's form of puja is a dog. They have dog pujas. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone they get up and pay homage to the dog. Talk to the dog, the dog looks, you know, wags its tail, you know, looks happy to see you, it's there for you, present, you know, you can say, I'm having a rotten day, the dog listens sympathetically, wags its tail. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you feel a lot better. I mean, it's people, why people have these creatures? And the dog will receive all your affection without being embarrassed by it. <laughs> you can kiss it, roll on it, hug it, squeeze it, call it funny names. <laughs> And it's not embarrassed. It doesn't, you know, say, you know, I think you're over the top. You're a bit needy. <laughs> Just really there. Uh. So sometimes it's, it's nature. Just going out in nature. It can be a dog. It can be a temple, church, something w- which which stands there and, and holds you when you, you open up. It gives you a, a way of opening up. It's important to be able to cultivate that, that, that opening in, in your life in some way. Uh, as a Buddhist monk, then I, I go to Buddha Rupas, but, you know. Uh, and of course they have other things going for them as well, recollections and reflections and other things you can do with them. Without that opening into a relational field, then the relational field is not explored, investigated, it's not um, acknowledged or cleaned, and one is still receiving the effects of it, but we don't, if we don't properly acknowledge the, and, and receive those effects, then we find ourselves subtly reacting to them. Again, a lot of it unconsciously. And the reactions in that way are, can occur in terms of feeling to need to be somebody. Uh, uh, you know, a some sense in which one has to affirm one's presence by doing things, being something. Uh, developing something, making something. So many 
this is very common for all of us human beings um, because instead of we can't just be there's that sense of lack or loss or um, need, need to establish oneself so that that is very common the other of course this is what they call the bhava bhavasava or the, the, the need to be to become to, to, to imprint and of course the other one is when the relational this is when the relational field is marked with that um, um, sense of, of of one way in which we relate to this feeling of, of separation and and withdrawal is the search for contact means one has to make one's noise make one's sound to, to feel one is uh, and this of course can lead to people being incredibly busy and human beings are incredibly busy creatures you know, if you came down from planet Mars and you saw this thing going on you think what is it you know eight o'clock in the morning it's all these a million human beings get in cars and rush that way. Meanwhile, another million human beings get in cars and rush that way. And there's, why don't they just all stay where they are? <laughs> and why are they building things and digging things and knocking things down and improving things and digging them up again? And when that's over with, and they go and run around things, jump on things, cycle around things, bounce off things. <laughs> you know, push things into them, dope themselves up, poke themselves with things. It's like the incredible need to have some sense of being something by, by, by making one's imprint. Uh, the other, of course, is, is the, the, the withdrawal, um, which is the vibhava, which can go on in subtler and grosser forms. Subtler form is the maybe you know the more eremitic the hermit the loner um, ideal and it goes down to things such as autism you know, autistic behavior and somewhere in between the two there's the lack of confidence the feeling of inadequacy um, the feeling of you know, life is a problem, life is a difficult, life is a burden, life is a threat. How do I get out of this? Um, and because it's a burden and a, th- and a threat, uh, you know, one wants to get out of it. But in that sense of lack of confidence and burden and threat, if the space around us, if the relational field is, is subtly, you know, it's not that it's, it's, it's absent or in, in the sense of the, the barber instinct, which actually has to make a noise to be present. The wee barber instinct means, careful, I don't make too much noise in case I get noticed. So it's a sort of, you know, excuse me, is it all right if I breathe? Um, I don't know whether it's really the right thing to do right now, but perhaps I... And, you know, these things are, are in most of us, kind of... We, we've, we, we've had both of those going for us in subtler, subtler ways. Uh, and then you get people who are strongly marked in one way or another. 
and the the the, the odd thing about the the rebarber, the withdrawal thing is if a play, if something is not safe and one has to withdraw then what not is not safe is of course things in relational relational field and those most of those would be humans now if human beings are not safe you don't, you don't want to say I don't think you're safe because they might threaten you you know, that might be considered a negative remark. So, you know, you can't say something as bold as I don't trust you, you know, because that, that might bring around their, their, their menace or their malice. So you do all sorts of placatory, um, um, submissive gestures all the time, excusing yourself. And those kind of things happen for people. So we, you know, we contemplate any of these these gestures in our behaviour. Um, I mean, this is not great news, admittedly, but <laughs> well, I'm going to kind of witness. I mean, I can see those things happening for me um, in lesser form, lesser and greater forms. And you know, with some people, it's very much, you know, the feeling of slight temerity and. Uh, other people, it's a feeling of um, you know, really wanting to 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 them to, to notice me, to get some contact off them. And sometimes the same person can do the same different things depending on different occasions. Um, so really, there's no, as far as I can see, there's no fixed rule you can have about relating to other people because other people are chameleon-like because our relational fields are, are swinging around. So it seems to me that the basic rule is to understand one's own and touch into one's own relational field and see what it's doing uh, and learn how to go back to presence. Mm. Breathing in, breathing out. Simple teachings, Anapanasati. Breathing in, breathing out. Just noticing, can you breathe in and breathe out? Is it full? Is it long? If it's not full, long, if you can't breathe in and out, then you have to acknowledge there's difficulties, okay, yeah, and so what's happening, and can we use the energy of the breath, for example, or any other refuge that we have, to bring around a presence, an accommodating presence in that field. Now, so Anapanasati, obviously, other refuge experiences for us uh, can be the triple gem, Buddha Dhamma Sangha. It can be uh, a time or even a memory of a time when we were when we were clear, just bringing that into mind. It can be an association that that we have that reminds us of what it's like as times when we are clear and centered in ourselves not in a self-centered way, we have an upright axis. And just be able to go back to that. And you may have words, you may have a little, little slogan like, be present, be here now, or, um, compassion is all, or whatever, you know, that, that, that are your particular slogan. You, ah, yeah, right. And so from there, then using that as to stabilize and work through some of those 
and stabilize those effects, calming up, calming up and and calming out. That's a primary practice where we live in a situation where there is more interactivity and we may choose that uh, uh, as a way of, of developing and of witnessing things in ourselves bringing things to light uh, as a way of helping as a way of somehow uh, fulfilling, enriching our lives um, what we're here for, why we got born and somehow, you know, into these sense forms, human bodies, um, there's something there that we have to fulfil or work out. But in, in the interactive relationship, then it's important to keep your own, to be able to refer to that, your own presence as, as, as a big part of it. Because that is a big part of it. And acknowledge, say, the effects that occur when you are with with other people, and with a person, or in verbal contact, and what it's doing, how it affects. Noticing how the space changes, or the ta- time uh, effect speeds up. It's a little, little more vigorous and more activated, and we begin to witness the kind of. Uh, uh, anxieties or happinesses or expectations that can occur. Essentially, the whole intention is for well-being, for healing, for wholeness, for clarity. This is the only one that will stand. This isn't just being high-minded, this is actually just being sane. Um, nothing else is really going to stand. Nothing el- everything else is going to send us into a spin. It's important to use a retreat and use the, this kind of practice to realize that is the essential thing. Is, is just to not to um, have particular feelings or avoid particular feelings but to be clear, to be whole, to, to, do, to be sane not be spun out, to at least know how it is and to feel one is capable of knowing how it is and if we do know how it is then that is not a, um, a you know, that's not terror that's not knowing how horrible it is how it is actually is clear and benevolent. You know, so this is why again Buddha is useful as an image because Buddha is uh, those who are who know how it is. Um, the Tathagata, you know, chanting the one who knows uh, the way things are has come into presence. So. 
the statement of, of the, the Buddhist statement is the origin is purity the origin is not dukkha the origin is not the origin the original nature is not dukkha or sin or you know failure the original nature is purity that's that's the you know, the bottom of it and everything else gets kind of patterned on top of that and that so that recollection which which buddha provides is is a, is one a useful one to, to to come back to so this is what we have to remember this is the best the highest that we can we can is possible is just this original purity clarity um, and all good things stem from that and everything that we do is to find our way back to that and that can be certainly in relation with other people and it may be that in that we our own clarity our own qualities will also transfer to others it's not that that's impossible Buddha also is acknowledgement that this can be transmitted Buddha is a transmitter so Buddha is not just well I'm fine pity about you guys but <laughs> I'm, I'm fine you know, I'm turning the hand out you know, the, 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 the hand is open out saying this is for you too it's possible to receive this there are those with little dust in their eyes <coughs> so and that's the that's the possibility that when we acknowledge the relational field and we're even prepared or capable of taking it into an act, interactive mode in a way the only way that interactivity is actually going to work is if we're if we continually inclined towards clarity, towards being clear, towards being open, and towards being uh, empathetic, acknowledging empathy, <coughs> acknowledging we do affect each other, we we must affect each other, and that can be benevolent if there's clarity and openness. Mm. Now that happens actually, and where we sometimes get this wrong is we take these ideas and you know take them up to to purely to a, to a mental level or an intellectual level we don't actually experience it or present it on an energetic level so the words come out but the feeling the the energetic is not felt it's not experienced and the words can come out from an energetic that's expressing becoming yeah. so this is when you get the I've got to tell you this you know, <laughs> for your own welfare <laughs> you, know, you know it's like it's the energetic is kind of one is, is, the, is becoming energetic even though the words are nice words um, this you know comes at the extreme or one of the extremes is of course the you know the missionary comes around to your door save you from your sins whether you like it or not um, mm-hmm. so on that, that kind of thing and we realise that why does this person need to keep doing this you know why do, why do people need to do that because of the need to, to support their own sense of what they are by in a relational way you know I'm someone who saves you 
hurry up and be saved, because otherwise I can't be somebody who saves you. <laughs> you know, I'm someone who heals you, therefore be sick, damn you. <laughs> I, am a, I, am a, I am a healer, so therefore you must be ill, and I'm going to fix you. Um, or I'm a teacher, therefore please be stupid. <laughs> and allow me to treat you as if you're stupid. Or I'm a guide, you will be guided, you know, like, I don't want to go, you will be guided. <laughs> and if, these things can happen in, in strange ways. Right? Somebody was saying to me, you know, I have an experience with a, a friend and a colleague, and I keep it vague, because it's saying, you know, uh, saying to them, you know, kind of ridicule them for this person, for this slightly kind of cautious and with, with withdrawn behavior such and saying you know you have the permission you have, you have permission you have all the permission you know you have permission to be open and it sounds like a kind of open statement but actually it's an aggressive statement it's a pushing it's not an opening an open statement would be you can be as withdrawn as you like that's fine with me you know and immediately you know oh it's safe here it's safe I'm okay it's safe here oh. And then you you know you come into presence, don't you? Now we now you know this isn't to say that every teacher is just total total maniac or but <laughs> you know a lot of it is very good intention and real sincerity. And even in missionaries, you know, really do want to help you. Um, and, and there's no there's no impurity in terms of intent, but perhaps there's a, a not complete recognition of how it comes across, how it's experienced. And sometimes, you know, it, when you have a, a, a someone a powerful uh, teacher or such, or missionary or guide or friend or whatever, then also you're a bit and you, you don't feel quite confident enough to say, uh, you know, stand back. So you can actually go into a sort of subjugation mode if you if you lack confidence. And this happens in 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 in, the, in this kind of way of life that I'm with. Or people then start to get aggressive and block, try and block teach you because they feel that you know overbearing presence mm. and it doesn't just happen in that does it I mean it's also in our family relationships and our work relationships and so on now when all of us I hope would like to feel we could help or at least not be nuisance to others we'd like to help others in helping others we actually clear or help to clear and tune up properly our own field because when you help when you really help others it's because you have actually really truly resonated your field has been accurate it's been lined up properly so to, to help others to feel, to feel that resonance is also to feel 
you know, one, I'm in, now I'm in tune. So to help others actually is really helping oneself because it's clearing that whole relational field. And this is where the, the, the Dhamma, the Dhamma practice of interactivity is extremely skillful. Yeah, because you can't fudge it, you can't bluff it. And it helps you to really understand more clearly your, the, your relational energies. Because the n- number of times it's not quite right, and you're trying very hard, and you mean well, but it's not quite right. Why aren't they? Why isn't she? Why isn't he? They never, that kind of thing. Because when, uh, with the best intention, it isn't actually accurate. There are different ways of looking at this. Uh, a little story that, a um, couple of stories, little anecdotes. Uh, one of a man working uh, in a um, psychiatric unit and the, ver- the various people in that unit, um, various degrees of abnormal behavior. Um, one of them would just, would always speak complete gobbledygook, word, word salad, just complete you know, strings of sounds but actually make them like he was saying something. Look at somebody and say, comes here, you know, and do that. And of course it would, you know, do people, do people over completely. And like, ah. So this was his thing, you know. So most of the, they, you know, most of the people were trying to get him out of this, this habit, you know. And stop him doing it or get him out of it or change it or drug him, drug him or something. The guy just would not be cured. Couldn't seem to cure at all. You're trying to figure out what he was saying. Maybe it's some kind of code. Maybe there's a message in it or meaning in it. And uh, so one one doctor's actually he was working with this chap, or trying to work with this chap. And actually one day he just sat sat down on the bench next to the man. And the man noticed his presence and said some gobbledygook at him. <laughs> The doctor looked at him, gave him some gobbledygook back. And the other guy, gave him like, you know, 10 minutes of solid gobbledygook. The doctor looked at him, gave him, you know, counted 20 seconds of gobbledygook back. Complete nonsense, you know. Nothing gobbledygook. And eventually the the patient eventually said, why don't you talk sense, doctor? (laughs) (laughs) It's actually, it was like an extreme case of I'm not prepared to talk unless somebody's prepared to listen to me. You know, an extreme case of, of, of complete, you know, withdrawal to the point when, when somebody's that withdrawn, you actually have to go to where they're at rather than be somewhere else and try and pull them out. Because every attempt to pull them out is actually experienced as, as hostile. You, know, you have to go into that experience and just be with it um, another c- case of there was a man called I think it's Oliver Sacks 
who worked with autistic people and uh, some autistic people often are, are completely not there most of the time but generally have an incredible gift in some particular area like geniuses on, on, you know, on 1% like they play P- Mozart sonatas after looking at the sheet of paper for 5 seconds or something like that and uh, they're, they're geniuses but they're completely withdrawn because of the, the, the total hostility or unsafeness of where they are and uh, before this was really understood people would you know the, the people who are treating would always make try to get them out of it which was always drive them even further into it and there's this uh, case of the, there's, a, there's a pair of twins autistic twins who just the only, th- the only thing they would do they would actually just like to sit near each other you know in this, in this kind of unit they were in everything else was unsafe so they just sit near to each other these couple of um, twins they just kind of sit because they could feel safe in each other's presence and the doctor noticed this because they would always otherwise they'd look completely out of it and unconnected but the only thing they would do would find each other and just sit next to each other and he noticed when they were sitting next to each other every now and then they'd turn around and they'd say something and the other one would look pleased light up and then he'd, he'd say something back think, what's going on here because they don't respond normally to anything and he only got close he said they were, they were swapping numbers strange numbers four figure numbers they just uh, say this number the other one would say the number back and he's trying to, what on earth are they saying these numbers they code or what and they were all four figure prime numbers so this one twin would count this four-figure prime number and throw it to the other one, who'd then pick it up and he'd throw one back. And they would just have these minds that could immediately scan numbers, work out numbers, go to four-figure prime numbers. Right, uh, that was their one way of connecting in their own little private world. And so he, he looked at So he went home and he, he got some tables out and he found some six-figure prime numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so when they sat together, he sat behind them they were sitting there together and, like, and just as they were saying something he, he just whispered a six figure prime number they both kind of oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they oh very happy you know, there was another person in their world and they started coming up with six figure prime numbers you know, and the sense of yeah, okay you know, that's, that was their world and they were there was a connection. There was a bond there. You know, they were happy in that, in that thing. And he said, "You know, this is this." And he got this tremendous joy out of it. Yeah. And of course, the sad story is that then the authorities found that, that they didn't seem to be getting any better, and they thought they were bad for each other. Mm-hmm. So they separated them. They separated the twins, and then after that, they both completely shut down altogether. And tried to cure them. The story, in a way, is like how to actually you know, try to enter or empathise or resonate with somebody else's stuff, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is, rather than you know slap some loving kindness on top of it, or you know sometimes you can't receive loving kindness; it's too hostile. 
you know, it's here am I, long doing my thing to show you what you should be. Yeah? And it isn't, you can't always receive it. It means like, uh oh, somebody's getting hold of me. They're calling it loving kindness, but they're getting hold of me. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling my space invaded. Or, or wisdom, even more threatening. somebody's engineering my mind getting in there and telling me how I should think oh no (coughs) but things like you know what's really sometimes more useful is you know we can we can grieve together we can moan together (laughs) this is you find the place of bonding is we <laughs> you actually complain together. That's what people do, and uh, you know certainly these monasteries, dharma centres, and so forth. You know when people actually want to want, you know, when, like when you're in the teaching situation, people give wisdom, but in the back room, people complain because <laughs> 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 you've had enough of being taught wisdom. You know enough of being, you know having loving kindness slapped all over you. So, you know, last thing you've got, you've got you, you've got you complaining. So you get together on that. <laughs> and this happens. <laughs> and rather than saying, oh dear, stop it, stop it, you know, what's going on? It's saying, really, it's saying, we want, there needs to be relationship here. And as, you know, loving kindness has been taken over, and wisdom has been taken over, then the last thing we got is our bitterness. <laughs> and we can get, you know, we can share that because nobody's, nobody's claimed copyright of that. Nobody's got it all together. It doesn't belong to anybody. So it's relational rather than territorial, owned. Hmm. There was a story of, uh, um, somebody told me of, of, a, of a Zen master who was, uh, you know, again, was able to be very competent in both entering the relational field and drawing back into into a place of pure presence that's en- engage in on the relational field in an interactive mode and then move back to just a relational field which is just present and the story was that this um, you know this man was out with his disciples I think it was in the states somewhere and uh, and they met this drunk on the street who started threatening the Zen master you know behaving abusively and so on. So the disciples tried to kind of cluster round. And, and the master said, no, no, you know, I'll handle this. You know. So then the disciples stood back and they watched and the master walked down the street with their drunk arm in arm. And after a while the master started to get drunk. And reeling around, they were arguing and raging with each other. <laughs> like a couple of drunks walking down the street together. They walked down the street, and then gradually, as they got to the corner, they both sobered up. So they got to the corner. The drunk was cold stone sober, and Zen master let go of his arm, and the drunk kind of, oh, that he'd actually kind of gone into the place where the the drunk was, if you like, energetically, and, and drawn him out rather than come from the outside and try to push him out, sober up, snap out of it, you know, don't you realise this is the way to hell? Get it together. <laughs> Actually gone in there, been drunk, and pulled, you know, come out, taking the man with him.
So it's just to recognise that sometimes I- in relationship we have to, you know, enter in where the other person is rather than, you know, be on the outside with good intention but without the skillful means. So sometimes it's like that. I think I got a very a crash course in relationship um, one day when I was on pilgrimage in, in India. Um, I was going through a, a forest, uh, walking, walking pilgrimage in India. I was going through a, a forest, and then with this my companion, and then six six guys jumped on us with axes, and um, started you know ripping all our stuff off and my, my companion kind of managed to get away so that with two of the guys chasing him so that left with three guys chasing him left three guys on me um, with these big cudgels and, and axes and uh, you know like you don't actually feel like arguing with men with axes or anything <laughs> it's just like Yes, <laughs> you want something? <laughs> so I was just trying to get my. You think, well, okay, just hand it over, you know. So I was just trying to get the stuff off and think, well, you know, all I got is an arms bowl. You know, look at that and do what they like with it. But so I was taking, trying to get the stuff off, but it was all wrapped round me. So I was struggling, and then this, um, this one of them obviously thought I was trying to, you know, push him away. So he got his axe up, and, you know over my head with his axe and at that moment you know you, you don't have a lot of time to, to <laughs> parley as such and I could sense you know in terms of the field is actually it was a huge the vortex was one of, of fear and I could feel it in myself I, but I could feel it in their panic reactions and this is not an intellectual experience it's just a purely energetic experience just feel the fear and the spiralling out and then move in you know move in past the fear move in open open and move in was the sort of underlying message so you know this man took the axe to my head then I moved forward towards him and opened myself and offered offered my head Know, actually drew a line said you can just you know, why don't you hit it right here and it wasn't an aggressive it was a very you know there was like a puja you know offering the head and the man kind of took his axe back and couldn't do it couldn't get it together and he looked really disturbed so then I, I did it again but more gently just peacefully like. and then everything just the whole energetic just calm down mm. whereas I, I one imagines if I'd have struggled then the fear panic thing energetically spills over and this is where things get horribly go horribly wrong so sometimes it's about you know that when you enter you may have you may there is a need to counteract but knowing what you're counteracting, 
a lot of aggression is actually fear and you, you, don't, you don't know that intellectually you know it energetically you can, you can feel what's happening mm. and then it's like you can feel the energy building what's the way down what's the way you know, to, to the cessation of that and you know you tr- trust the energetic Most relationships are a little less rocky than that. So. <laughs> uh, but you often get the, uh, the 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 feeling comes up of of uh, you know with people of, of a des- des- you can feel the desperate need. Um, what seems to be their, their need or their concern or their their grief or their agitation, and the the the. And if you you can find yourself reacting to that, trying to trying to cover it, trying to make it go away, trying to we'll be all right, everything's don't worry, it'll be all right, and that is often experienced as as hostile, uh, not hostile, but as as damping down, as as trying to shut something down. Um, primary law or rule recommendation of all relationship is to actually to first of all be present this may mean kind of like almost like physically opening your body you know like rather than sideways or just really actually being directly directing your body towards somebody in an open way not certainly not in a in some sort of hard stance but just actually physically opening and being present sometimes it's just that much the energetic field is quite sensitive and such things have effects that completely go under the words and pull pull away the verbal carpet and we can find ourselves strangely comforted or calmed with hardly anything being said mm. Whereas a whole load of words would just have added to the turmoil. So when you experience the sense of people being in need, first of all, the first thing to offer is just presence, and then seeing what what seems to be coming from that. If it's sometimes it's you can feel that the person actually needs to find where they are, which means they need to find space the need to establish their own space so if you crowd in on it it doesn't help so you know just hugging is not always the right thing to do you know the person may actually need to you know if they need to actually know where you know that their ownness sometimes it is the sense that you can feel like um, not just your own concern but person actually needs reference you know, they're, they're, they're struggling for, for some kind of reference and just you know, physical contact is helpful you know, so we're just touching each other it's a little bit or, or more or less just getting, asking for you know, where, where are you or what's happening or rather than what to do about it you know, often it seems quite clear you think you know what's happening 
but that again is just the message from above rather than the message across so learning to work with each other is uh, uh, something that we can all benefit from sometimes it seems you know, in our, in our way of behaviour that we find maybe we don't have much to offer or much to do or much to give or there seems so much to do we can't do it and we, you know what's my life about what am I going to give um, you know. and that is buying into the whole bhava vibhava syndromes because one is experiencing oneself in a vibhava way and one feels unable to, to, to become or be, make something because one experiences oneself primarily as, a, as kind of slightly withdrawn or whatever or you may experience yourself in, in the becoming way and think there's so much to do there's so much to do out there you know, sweat off my brow I'm going to keep going to do things <laughs> and not realise where, it, where it's coming from um, and the just the, the reminder certainly you know, what I've experienced is the primary offering is just being here just being present and every person who's present tunes the whole whole field that we're in what it's like when you sit near somebody who's just being present rather than somebody who's busy being somebody or busy not being somebody you know it just you know calms you right down you feel really settled and so you know a lot of it of right activity is just this subtle contemplative work sometimes you know right action sometimes is this kind of action the action to center and level ourselves and then what action comes or what what action you know what inaction comes will always be right what speech comes what silence comes will actually be right what thoughts arise what unknowing arises will actually be right be in tune of this view of reflection.